0: Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. On Monday evening, the Calgary Interfaith Council held a peace service for anyone who wished to attend uh, downtown Calgary. And I attended with John and Laura and a few other congregants from Hillhurst. And over the course of an hour... We heard leaders speak from the Jewish community in Calgary. We heard leaders speak from the Muslim community in Calgary. We heard leaders speak from Sikh communities, from Baha'i communities, from Christian communities in the city, and every leader was asked to speak to where they felt pain, where they felt their heart breaking, and then also to where they found hope. And it was an uncomfortable evening. It was awkward at moments, it was painful. It was an evening of hard truths, of hurting relationships, of conflicting politics, and of conflicting religious understandings and beliefs and convictions. And it was an evening of peace. And I don't know about you, but sitting in a room with all of those feelings happening inside of myself, I didn't know that that's what peace felt like. And yet, as every leader stood up, you could hear their heartbreak, calling for different actions, witnessing to different atrocities in their lives. And where they ended, where they saw hope, was exactly in those messy and uncomfortable and conflicting feelings. They all spoke, and as they ended, they said, hear. Here in this room, here in these conversations, is where I find hope. And as they ended in that place, there was a fire to what they were saying, an energy to what they were saying, and dare I even say, a rejoicing. This year, as Suzanne pointed out in many different ways for many of us, is not a time in which joy is permeable. If joy is abundant for us, some of us might try to cover it up, feeling a gnaw of who am I to feel so much joy when people are suffering. In fact, one of the prayers that I wrote in many of the Christmas cards John and I send out every year was that you might know joy. And as I wrote that prayer in every card, it actually felt brave. What a bizarre thing to think that joy is something brave. And yet our sister in public theology, bless her, Brene Brown, writes, joy is the most vulnerable emotion that we have. Because as soon as we experience it, what do we do? We start to worry that it's gonna disappear. The other shoe's gonna drop. If we share it, if we express it, We might have to take it back or someone might try to take it from us. How many times have you sat here or stood here in this congregation and the band or the organ is playing an amazing piece of music and you're filled in your body and you start to feel that itch and you wanna lift your hands or you wanna shout or you wanna cry or you wanna dance and instead you snuff it out. We don't do that here. (laughs) That embodied feeling of joy, it can be scary. It feels vulnerable. I watched just during the choir's anthem, angels are making our rounds, little Clara here, draped in her pink joy blanket, and every time they said angels, she hopped down the aisle. And I just witnessed as she was so free in her body, and as I wanted to shout out and hop along with her, and I didn't, because joy's weird. (laughs) Joy can be weird. Joy is a challenge at the absolute best of times. And this is not the best of times. But the candle stands, and it sits on our Advent wreath, the third Sunday of the season, and it wears this cloak of a different color. And it beckons us to look up from wherever we find ourselves and rejoice. Godet or Gaudete Sunday, Latin scholar's argue on how to pronounce it. I think if you're the kind of person that says tarje instead of target, you might like gadete, target people, maybe godette, just an offering for you. This Latin word translates not to joy, but to rejoice. And in Luke's gospel, after the angel Gabriel has spoken to Mary saying she is carrying the gift of God inside of her, We hear this word for the first time through Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want to pause here. Because in my own experience, this one passage caused me to write off Mama Mary for a long time. You're allowed to leave, that's welcome. Just gave him a little wave. (laughs) I heard the word rejoice and I paired it with this image of Mary in the pastel blue or the light pink with a halo painted over her head. Ah, light shining on her softness and her demureness and her pureness. And I heard this Magnificat sung in this sweet baby angel voice lifting high notes to the heavens like a lullaby, thanking God for all that God has done. I didn't know when I was a girl learning this story the Mary was a Galilean girl, that's ancient Palestine, suffering with her people in a land of unrest, used to watching the men around her go off to fight, the women around her being abused, a girl who boldly claims worthiness despite the powers at play calling her and her people worthless. I didn't know. When I found out, I saw a different Mary and I heard a different Magnificat. And so I wanna offer you the images that changed Mary for me. The first, this is Mary in a pair of motorcycle boots. She's standing on a skull that is crushing a serpent to to its death and her fist is raised in the air defiantly while a halo of stars anoints her head and the words of the Magnificat are written around her. It's beautiful. It's by the artist Ben Wildflower. Another image was texted to me this past summer when Reverend Deborah Bowman was visiting Italy, and she, she texted me this picture of a sculpture, and she calls it, I don't actually know what the name is, I'll be honest, she calls it uh, Multitasking Mary. <laughs> and it's Mary with baby Jesus on her hip, bludgeoning the devil. Yeah, a different image. And I like to think Call me crazy. I like to think in both of these images, Mary is rejoicing. Joy is a brave act. This is an act of liberation. This is relentless and revolutionary in the face of abysmal suffering. And to be clear, all of these artworks depict Mary's spirit, the peaceful Mary singing revolution in place of violence and also crushing symbols of the empire and evil until they are no more. Mary's joy births a new world in a brand new way and we are each invited to go next. You'll notice that when we look at this passage, Mary uses past tense language to talk about God. She's not rejoicing because she's gleeful about the circumstances she found herself in. She's rejoicing because God has come alive in her body and she knows what God can do. She's rejoicing because she walks a long line of women who have rejoiced from within the pits of absolute despair. Her joy is a profound declaration of confidence that this will not do. Not for her, not for her future child, not for any of the children that will be born evermore from this day on. It will not do. There's a video going around on social media right now of a wedding that just took place in Gaza and it could be 100 people that are dancing in between bomb blasted buildings. This kind of joy is a declaration that this will not do, that love is here, that love plans on staying here, and dare we say that love plans on being born into this place and this time. You see, our joy is not something that exists because of something. It exists in something. Kelly Nikondea in her book, The First Advent in Palestine, that we're studying on Wednesdays, writes that one thing you can do in the dark is you can light a candle. But the other thing you can do in the dark is tell a story. In our reading Today, Mary is telling her unborn child a story. Once there was a God who brought people out of slavery and into freedom, the promised land. Once there was a God who provided manna from the heavens for the hungry. Once there was a God who dethroned the Pharaoh. Once there was a God Once there was a God and that God still lives today. That God lives in me, she says to her unborn child. That God is you, she tells Jesus. And in time, Jesus tells that story right back to us. Once there was a time. You see, joy is reasonable in dark circumstances because being a light in the darkness is exactly what our God is for. John often quotes uh, James Finley saying, God protects us from nothing but sustains us in everything, is present with us in everything. Our Christian story is that we follow a God who was murdered alongside all the others pleading for peace and freedom. Our Christian story is that we follow a God who lies under the rubble in Gaza with all the other children. Our Christian story is that we follow a God who cries out from the fields of a music festival in Israel. Ours is a God who dances with the spirit when the mind is no longer. Ours is a God who meets the women at the graves of their husbands and their sisters and their children and their friends and their parents. And if our God can be present in all of that, we can rejoice. A couple of weeks ago, Suzanne shared a video with me and I—a full disclaimer, it's a Chevrolet commercial and you're not expected to buy, okay? It's, And in this commercial, we witness joy so unexpectedly, so unexpectedly. We witness it in presence, and we witness it in story, and I want to share it with you. You present. We hope you like it. Come on. How is she? Good days and bad are, but uh, the love is always there. More bad days than good? But some days is when she doesn't even recognize me. I'm so sorry, daddy. I need these, Tracy. Yes, Mom. And don't be too long. Shoulders makes me happy. Mm. Some good lights this good year, right? I wonder if it'll snow. Never seems to snow as much as it used to. Oh, shakes from bittersweet cafe. I tell Saginaw? You were actually born in that house. Oh. Here's your old high school. Wish that I could wish for you. Bill. Yeah. My first horror movie. I'm not sure mom ever forgave you for that. We put a whole lot of you in the back of this thing. Yeah. That's right. Me, Chris, Jeff, Phil. Jeff is a troublemaker. Makes me happy. Sunshine in my This is where he first kissed you. No. Looks so lovely. I kissed him. He was far too shy. Almost Bill, I need to see Bill. Oh, he can't do the dinner alone. <laughs> Sunshine, almost all- It's good to be together. Be <laughs> hey, careful. I got Watch it. your step. You got it? I do. I you have, have it? it? All right. I have it. Oh, <laughs> You've always oh. been the clever one. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry <guys. laughs> oh. Christmas. Oh. Let's, Let's go in. in. If I had a day that I could give you. Give to you a day just like today I want you to know I watched that video 4 times in a row this morning to try and desensitize myself <laughs> to the tears I would be crying at this point but it still got me <laughs> When we can't find joy today we can rejoice in the witness of what has been and what will be. Trusting exactly like Mary that surely, surely from now on, the world is about to turn. Joy is the very thing that emboldens us to turn the world around. Father Lizzie McManus is a joyfully bubbly Episcopal priest in Austin, Texas, and she says that joy is the root of justice. It is not trite or naive or ignorant. It is revolutionary, and it is uncomfortable, and maybe... Maybe we dress it in pink to remind ourselves that it is different, that we look different, that the world looks different when we demand that all might get to know it, that all might know joy and flourishing. So the question Suzanne asked you is one I will pose to you again. What is the story of joy? that you'll be telling yourself this season? And will you dare to live it out in the name of the one who declared it to be yours in everything? Because it is in this one act of rejoicing that we magnify God's love in the world. Through this one act, your joy, the world turns. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at HillhurstUnited dot We'd love to hear from you.